Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in Luke chapter 11 today, and we're going to breach uh, the uh, subject of prayer and power. Amen. Praise God. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we bless you today. We thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit, both in the speaking of the word and in the hearing of the word. And we'll give you thanks for that. Uh, all for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 today and we're going to be talking about prayer, but we're also going to be talking about power. The results of effective prayer is always power. God always confirms effective prayer with the release of power. So in Luke chapter 11, we'll begin in verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And that is a very acute a question, a request, rather. Uh, we need to know what to pray for. And we're so thankful that it is the Word of God that teaches us what to pray for. And specifically, we're going to be in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at New Testament type of praying. But we're also going to be looking into the Old Testament in the way that Daniel prayed that brought an answer from the angel Gabriel. Praise God. Well, the first thing that we uh, should pray for is our nation. And Paul uh, talks to Timothy and, and tells Timothy, this is what you are to do in a public setting. But we can also uh, consider this in a private setting, in our own personal praying. Notice what Paul wrote to Timothy, a very familiar passage of Scripture. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I look at that for all men as our duty to all men, but also it's impossible for us to pray for every human being on the face of the earth. In other words, to call their name out in prayer. So Paul then begins to specifically uh, say, who we are to pray for on a regular basis. Verse 2, he says, for kings. Well, in our case, it would be for our president. For kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is the purpose by which we are to pray for those who are in authority so that we will not constantly have our society stirred up with chaos, a.k.a., remember, uh, the, in the, uh, the, the, after the George Floyd um, death and the riots that broke out and all of that mess, that was nothing but chaos. God wants us to pray for our leaders so that we don't enter into those times. Notice he says, once again, verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. The gospel message goes out and is most effective in times of quietness and peaceable 
and end in a peaceable life. When there's war, when there's strife, when there's things going on such as that, it's very hard for the gospel to be preached. In the midst of uh, men trying to defend their families, uh, militaries trying to defend their homeland, um, all you have to do is to just to experience uh, from the uh, from literature, experience from literature how life was in Germany after they surrendered. Uh, just read some books on some history and find out that there was no gospel being preached uh, during the time that Germany uh, was uh, losing the war and actually the cities were bombed out and uh, the people, the German people, were left without any type of foundation to stand upon. So th- th- the gospel can't be preached in times like that. Now, it is advantageous uh, after that uh, for missionaries to come in and to preach and to show people that, uh, uh, you know, there is hope in Christ. And I'm not I'm not saying that we shouldn't preach the gospel. I'm saying that in that this time of turmoil uh, it's very hard for the gospel to be preached. And then he says in verse and Paul says in verse three, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. That's the heart and the mind of God. That's what he's after. So the whole purpose to pray for our nation is for the gospel to spread and for people to be saved. And then in verse 5, Paul says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. See, that's the gospel message. So we want a quiet society. We want a peaceable society so that the gospel can be preached so that people can be saved. So going back to Luke chapter 11, once again, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So uh, they were interested in learning how to pray. And so we have so many examples in the New Testament concerning prayer. For instance, we just talked about praying for our nation. Well, we also, the second thing I think that we should all pray for is pray for laborers to enter into the harvest field of the Lord, which Jesus calls his, the Lord's harvest field. Notice in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35, and Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues. Notice that teaching came before preaching. Isn't that interesting? And the teaching was done in the church and the proclaiming of the good news was done outside of the church in the world. Notice again, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming, that's preaching, preaching the good news of the kingdom and on the heels of this, healing every disease and sickness. God, through the preaching of the gospel, will always confirm the word with signs following. Something is going to happen. God is going to put his stamp of approval and his anointing upon the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is not empty words. They are words that are packed with power, and God will demonstrate the truth of the gospel by doing wonders, signs, and miracles. Now, in verse 36 of Matthew 9, And when he saw the crowds, 
he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Continually ask the Lord. Keep on asking the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The world is God's harvest field, and he wants laborers to enter into this harvest field. Amen. To bring forth fruit unto God. And Jesus says, this is what you ought to pray. And he tells us that we are to pray the Lord of the harvest so that he would send forth workers into his harvest field. See how important that is? See how prayer works with the spreading of the gospel message? See how prayer works with winning the lost to Christ? Amen. This is something we ought to pray for. Now, on an individual level, we are to pray for one another. There are prayers in the book of Ephesians that Paul said that we can pray for ourselves and also pray for others. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What is this implying? That if we don't pray for this, that God is not going to obligate to give it to us. We need wisdom and revelation. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We could say it this way. We need spiritual wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of God, our Father and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Paul says this, that the eyes of our understanding, actually he said the eyes of your understanding, speaking to the church, being enlightened. In other words, I like to read it like this, our hearts being filled with wisdom. Amen. Praise God. That we may know, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, number one, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is, number two, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, number three, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. What a power-packed passage of Scripture this is. What a power-packed prayer this is. And this is a prayer that is to be prayed over and over and over and over again. Now, there is a companion prayer in the third chapter of Ephesians, beginning in verse 19. For this cause, I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you. See, if we pray, God will grant this to us. If we don't pray this, God is not obligated to grant it to us. Notice once again, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory 
to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. There are too many believers that are weary. They're worn out. They're weak. This kind of praying will induct into us the strength of God, the might of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we'll be strengthened in our inner man, in our spirit. Hallelujah. Our spirit then will begin to have dominion over our mind, our will and emotions and over our physical body. Praise God. The passions of the flesh, in other words, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. We could say it this way, according to the riches of his person, because he is glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may continually have his home in our hearts by faith that we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. We are as born again believers. We are rooted and grounded in love, but there is more than just being rooted and grounded in love. There is a building of love. There is a temple of love that needs to be built on the inside of us. And that only comes through revelation. Notice what Paul says here, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. In other words, we may be able to comprehend the full dimension of God and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. How can you know something that passes knowledge? Well, the love of God is unfathomable. The riches of God are unsearchable. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the more we pray, the more we come to know. Amen. Praise God. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, will never plumb the depth of the love of God. We'll never plumb the height of it. It's as eternal as God is eternal because God is love. But yet we can expand our understanding and our comprehension of the love of God. And we see the epitome of the of the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are to be like him. Hallelujah. Well, in order for us to be like him, we're going to have to increase our, our measure of comprehension, specifically when it's speaking of the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. So how do we become filled with all the fullness of God? It begins with the love walk. Amen. Now, let's go back to Luke chapter 11. We talked about, you know, the four, four uh, things that we could pray for. And of course, we have to add this too: that uh, prayers work. It's labor. And yet the Lord Jesus tells us that there's times when to pray and those prayers are to be answered. But it's going to require much effort and labor on our part in order to get an answer. I'm speaking specifically of revival. Amen. If we want revival in our church, we need to start praying for it and not quit praying and others pray, come alongside of us to help us pray for there to be revival and revival will come. Amen. So when such situations occur, there has to be a determination. There has to be a boldness. There has to be uh, this uh, 
attitude of continual prayer, to stay in prayer, standing on the word of God until the answer comes. And it is work. Don't let anybody mislead you. Prayer is work, but it is good. And it brings much satisfaction when the answer comes. Yes, it is labor, but it's labor that's worth it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Now back to Luke chapter 11, verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We give, we give God his place and we consider his name to be holy. Thy kingdom come. The, the needs of the kingdom come first. Revival comes first before personal needs. Revival comes first because revival is going to, number one, revive the church, bring renewed strength into the church. But it's all going to cause the church to reach out to the lost. And believe me, when the church is on fire, sinners will come. Then Jesus said, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. So whatever the will of God is being done in heaven, we expect, we pray for that same will to be done down here on earth. And then Jesus said, give us day by day our daily bread. God wants to take care of us. He wants to supply our daily needs, but we've got to ask him. Amen. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Jesus said this, and Mark records it, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father which is in heaven will forgive you your trespasses. So uh, part of prayer is, is praying and praying in such a way not only for our forgiveness, but also for others to be uh, forgiven. Amen. Praise God. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We could say it this way. Deliver us from evil and from the evil one. Now, the Lord, uh, or rather the, the church calls this the Lord's Prayer. And that's true. It is the Lord's prayer. It's the Lord's model prayer that he taught his believers to pray in this order. It's a model prayer. We begin with the praise of God. We begin with the needs of the gospel, the needs of the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus also directs us to pray for our daily needs and to make sure that we walk in forgiveness towards everyone. And that God, if we'll do this, He'll not lead us into temptation. He'll not lead us into testing and trial. God wants to love each and every member of God's family. He wants to love them in the kingdom. He wants to love them into his will. He wants to, uh, with much compassion and sympathy, uh, work in the lives of of God's people. But if God's people aren't going to listen, then he'll dynamite them if he has to, to get them in the right course. So as long as we're out to do the will of God, amen, God is not going to lead us in temptation and he will deliver us from the evil one. Remember Job. Job was a man perfect. Amen. And God defended Job. But because of the accusations of Satan himself, the Lord turned Job over to Satan to certain degrees to prove Uh, to the devil that if you take everything away from Job, 
He's not going to curse me. He's still going to be faithful to me. Amen. Praise God. So these testing and trials come to us. It's really a test whether or not we're going to be faithful to God or we're going to start shaking our fist in God's face and uh, and turn away from him. No, sir. Remember Jesus at the Mount of Temptation. Every time Satan came to him uh, with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, Jesus always returned. It is written. That's what you and I are to do in the face of of circumstances and testings and in trials. Amen. Now, in verse five, Jesus said this, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. Now, this is Jesus teaching how that we are to continue in prayer, that we're not to quit in prayer. Remember, Jesus said this. He says he spoke a parable uh, to the Jews and he said that men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to quit, not to run out, not to get weak. We are to continue continually be in prayer. And if we want revival and we'll continue in prayer for revival, God will grant revival. Amen. He'll begin in us. We'll come to realize there's things in us that don't need to be there. We need to get rid of them. We need to drag them out into the light and put them to death. There's things in churches that are not right. Amen. And the more we pray, the more God reveals these things. Well, what what is the church to do? Drag these things out into the line and put them to death. Praise God. Set our church, set ourselves in order, set the church in order. And when those things are met, praise God, there'll be no hindrance to revival fire descending upon individuals and upon the church. Praise God. Amen. So this is something Jesus is teaching concerning We must continue to pray. And I tell you, if we wrote down all of the passages of Scripture in the Bible that uh, that have to do with continuing in prayer, stay in prayer, praying constantly, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have enough time in this session uh, to quote all the verses of Scripture. So we'll just end up here by saying this. Once again, verse five, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut. The answer is no. Don't bother me. Go away. Trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Notice he didn't say, I will not. He said, I cannot. Well, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. No, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Because I'm going to continue to ask. I'm going to continue to seek you. I'm going to continue to knock until you give me what I need. Verse eight. That's exactly what Jesus says. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs to get rid of them. Amen. I give you anything you want. Just leave me alone. Praise God. Amen. Importunity means to be bold in prayer. It means to be shameless in prayer. It means to be seeking from the Lord that which should and must be done. Now, we're going to look at Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9. Now, listen to this. Daniel chapter 1, 
I mean, chapter nine, and I set my face unto the Lord God. This is concerning the nation of Israel to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. How much do you want an answer to prayer? How much do you want it? How deep does your desire go? Does it go down deep enough to where you're willing to fast? You're willing to humble ourselves? Well, I believe in that kind of a situation and we're praying for revival. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Add, add prayer, add fasting and humility to our prayer and the answer will come. Verse four. And I prayed unto the Lord, my God, and made my confession and said, Oh, Lord, the great and dreadful God keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity. This is sackcloth and ashes, by the way, and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to thee, but unto us confusion of faces as it is this day because of sin. That's what brings confusion in our churches and in our individual lives. It's sin that's not dealt with. Notice once again, confusion of faces as it is this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries where you have driven them because of their trespass. Now, would you call that a temptation? I believe I would. I believe you would, too, because of their trespass that they have trespassed against you. O Lord, to us belong confusion of faith face to our kings, to our princes and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you to the Lord. Our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against you. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord, our God, to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against you. And he has confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. I'm telling you, the United States of America is standing on the crossroads. You've heard that many times. But I'm telling you, the only one that's causing us to hinder is the praying church. So you keep praying for this nation praying for God to have mercy upon this administration and upon this government that is proving itself to be worthless. Continue to pray, amen, for a mighty revival and God will grant it and he'll delay judgment because we're praying for God to have mercy and he'll hearken unto our prayers. But if we stop praying, judgment will come. And believe me, judgment is coming, not just to America, but to this entire world. Now, once again, verse 14 says, Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. 
For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he does. For we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, you have brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and you've gotten them renowned as it is this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech you, let your anger and your fury be turned away from the city of Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because of our sins and for our iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Amen. See, this is the kind of praying that gets results. And on the heels of this kind of praying comes power. Amen. So remember these things today as we pray and as we begin, amen, to seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near and he'll come, praise God, and he'll bring the rain in due season. Praise God. Father, bless you today. Bless this uh, session today in the hearts of everyone within the sound of my voice. And Lord, we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rb. TC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life.